Hey now, Fight Game Media fans. This is Mike Gilbert and J.D. Oliva, hosts of Brace for Impact. Join us each and every week as we recap Impact Wrestling. I know what you're thinking, but you don't have to be an Impact fan to like the show. In fact, it's probably better if you're not. You know, we like the show, but we also tell jokes like to have a lot of fun at the company's expense. We absolutely do. We have our own feed, so just type Brace for Impact in the search bar of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button, download the show, and join in on the fun today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm your co-host, Carlos Toro, and every single week joining me is Robert Silva. Robert, how are you doing? Good afternoon, Carlos. Good afternoon, fight fans. As we recap a very quiet week of boxing, and Carlos has some news for you on the upcoming boxing schedule. Yeah, so... This will not be your traditional 40, 50, 60 minute recap as there has been in, you know, in a few weeks over the past few months. There were really only one boxing show from this past weekend. And I don't know why we're recording this on on January 12th. And this card took place last Friday, but it felt but it's felt like forever. I don't know why. Yes. Yes. Matter of fact, Carlos, it's surprising you said that I watched the card Sunday morning. And I'm like, damn, this was two days ago? This felt like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there was the Showbox card, the first Showbox, the new generation card of 2022. And the intrigue about this one, as with almost every single one of these, but especially on this one, is that all three fights on the card featured prospects all unbeaten. I think it was combined 81-0. and 0. Between yep. the six fighters that were fighting. Main event, Luis Reynaldo Nunez versus Carlos Arrieta. With Nunez scoring a tremendous 10th round stoppage. It was a beautiful right hand that yes. kind of set things up. It was a one of the fastest counter right hands that I've seen in, in quite some time. Arrieta got hurt real bad. And Nunez just kind of doubled a flurry of shots that... Uh, it ultimately left me quite impressed. Nunez now 16-0. and Another Samson Lukowitz promoted guy who could potentially be a player if you give him a couple of years to season uh, of seasoning and some good fights. This could be, you know, Nunez might be uh, some, a prospect worth watching out for. He is a prospect worth watch, watching out for. The only criticism I have is, to me, he fought too much inside. He's got a beautiful left jab that I wish he used more. The man has the talent to go very far. The sky, in my opinion, is the limit for Nunez. If he worked on not getting hit as much, focus more on his, on his jab. Tremendous body puncher. He landed some hellos, hellacious body shots to Ariana's ribcage in this fight. And uh, like Carlos said, that right hand, right cross counter that he staggered Ariana with and he he went right at him, even to the body, like we always talk about when you hurt a fighter. Try to go to his body because he's not protecting his body. Finished him off well, and man, I look forward to seeing him fight more often. And now that he's been on Showbox, we will probably, what, you think you see him two or three more times this year on Showbox? Probably, probably. Uh, they, you know, I don't The Showbox schedule hasn't been as active uh, over throughout the pandemic as pre-pandemic and right. you know with, with good reason these are not major shows these are smaller shows and uh, more than anything boxing you know on the club level has been hurt significantly because of the pandemic because it's hard to attract a, a paying crowd and you know hopefully now that fans are kind of starting coming back this was a showbox car that actually did have a pain, uh, you know, an audience right. watching it. Hopefully, right. we'll get more of these. But, you know, with the new COVID uh, variant, the Omicron variant, you know, it's it's uh, touch and go uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff. But hopefully, we'll see Nunez on Showbox more often. Another guy that I feel like 
uh, should be on Showbox more often throughout the year, if it's possible, is Otar Aronosian, who looked really, really good in scoring an eight-round decision against Darling Castillo. Uh, Aronosian scored a couple of knockdowns from the fir- from from the start in round one, and then just proceeded to dominate. Starling Castillo throughout the fight scores almost a shutout across all three scorecards. 80-70, 80-70, 79-71. Uh, 28 years old, but he's certainly someone who, depending on how he, how they, you know, match him up throughout the year, he could slowly emerge as another prospect to watch out for this time at, you know, either a 130 or a, a 135. Very heavy-handed. Uh, the only the only uh, positivity coming out of Castillo's camp in that fight is he has a hell of a heart and a tremendous chin because he took a battering. It was I don't know where they the they they found a round for him. He lost every single second of that fight. He took a beating. Uh, once again, the sky's the limit. At very heavy handed, and I love his body punching. He, he's a tremendous puncher. Yeah, he came into the fight just 10-0, and and he does not fight like someone who is coming into his 11th pro fight. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, he's 28 years old, and and quite frankly, he looks looks a little older than 28. (laughs) I mean, I'm about to turn to— He looks like a 32, 30-year-old seasoned veteran, not a 28-year-old suspect. Like, just staring at his— like. If you go to box rack and you see his face, I mean, then you look at a, a picture of me. I'm turning 27 in less in two months, so we don't. We, I, either Man, I look super he young looks or he looks good, old. He looks a good five, six years older than you, at least. Yeah, and that's being conservative. And 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 <laughs> the impressive thing about Erinosian is that he has been, he has been keeping himself very busy. He's made a pro debut in October of. Actually, no, not October, August. My mistake, August. I can't read uh, month numbers. August 2020. And he's kept himself pretty busy. I mean, he actually fought on... This is actually a really fun, uh, little fun statistic. There's been two occasions where he fought twice in the same month, which is very rare. It's very rare he's you see that up, nowadays. He's making up for lost time, being that he turned pro at such an at such an older age. So he's making up for lost time, and he is progressing real quickly. And he's going to be a contender sooner, much sooner than later. Yeah, he's certainly, I would say, a little bit more developed than the other two winners on this card. And the third winner, uh, which was the opening bat, was William Foster the third, scoring a split decision win over Edwin De Los Santos. Uh, Foster got a 77-74 on two of the three judges' scorecards. And then you had Eric Lar—I'm sorry, Efrain LeBron, who scored a 77-74 for Del Santos. And that was a kind of a head-scratcher right there. I I did not see five rounds for Edwin Del Santos. So I don't know where he was looking at. Uh-huh. Before we move on to the next segment, I do want to remind the folks listening to this podcast that the Fight Game Media Patreon has a bonus episode of Pound for Pound starting on January 13th. This one, Robert and I are going to be taking a look at the Donald Curry versus Lloyd Hunnigan fight from several decades ago where Hunnigan scored a big upset victory over Curry to become the undisputed welterweight champion of the world. We're going to be looking at that fight, giving our thoughts on it, and the historical legacy of that fight. Again, you can find that on the Fight Game Media Patreon. And that about kind of wraps it up for this past weekend uh, of boxing. We're only... We're only on minute eight, just about, uh, you know, which is <laughs> expected because boxing in January historically is not a super busy month. We do have a few fights coming up. We do, including one this Saturday that we'll get to later on. But February and March, boy, they are looking so damn uh, appetizing. Maybe a little bit too much. Maybe a little too gluttonous for my liking. But Matchroom announced seven cards 
uh, across February and March. So this is essentially their Q1 schedule. And I'm going to just very quickly uh, note down all the cards, the location, and who's in the main event. And in the case of this first one, who's the co-main event? You got Liam Smith versus Jesse Vargas on February 5th in Glendale, Arizona. And at the co-main event, you got Sarissa Katsorum Visai versus Carlos Quadros, the rematch to their first fight several years ago, which Quadros actually won. This one for the vacant WBC Super Flyweight title that was essentially declared vacant as a result of... Juan Francisco Estrada, who we'll get to in just a second, being elevated to franchise champion to sort of allow a potential four-man tournament between Sorum Visay, Quadras, Estrada, and Chocolatito. Uh, February the 12th, Danny Jacobs versus John Ryder. Bit of a crossroads match. Not really a lot at stake, but it's going to take place in London. Could be a good fight. February 27th, a rare Sunday card. It's going to be Lawrence O'Coley defending his WBO Cruiserweight title against uh, Michael Cislak. It will be O'Coley's second title defense. March 5th, which is the one everyone has been waiting for. In San Diego, Juan Francisco Estrada versus Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. The rubber match that everyone has been waiting for. The rematch to, or I guess the follow-up to what... A lot of people consider the best fight of 2021 and, you know, in looking at a more historical perspective, one of the greatest lower weight fights in history. So that's going to be March 5th. March 12th, Lee Wood versus Michael Conlon in Nottingham for the WBA regular featherweight title and uh, a fight that was ordered by the WBA. Both guys coming in with a lot of momentum after very, very good performances in their respective last fights. Then you got March 19, Virgil Ortiz versus Michael McKinson, which is a more of a Golden Boy card, given that Ortiz is a Golden Boy fighter and he's the A-side. But I don't know if this will be 50-50 Golden Boy matchroom or if Golden Boy or matchroom are going to handle most of the undercard. I don't know. We'll see that in the, in the next couple of weeks. And then lastly, March 26th, Kiko Martinez defending his IBF featherweight title in a rematch, not against the guy he beat in Kid Galahad, but against Josh Warrington in a maybe one of the more bizarre role role reversals of a rematch that I can honestly remember. If anyone had told me heading into 2021 that Kiko Martinez would be fighting Josh Warrington, for the IBF featherweight title, I would first ask, how is Kiko Martinez getting a title shot, first of all? And secondly, yes. <laughs> I mean, you would have thought that Josh would be the champion, but no, it's Kiko Martinez. And and I kind of break it all down on FightGameMedia.com. I gave a grade to all of these cards, mainly the main event, specifically the main event. So you can read that for more of my in-depth thoughts. But Robert, what kind of stands out to you? I mean, obviously, aside from the Chocolatito, Estrada, rubber match, what else sort of stands out to you on this card, uh, on the schedule, where's, say? Where's Ortiz McKissick taking place at? Uh, they have not announced a location. Yeah, that, that surprises the fight's so close. It's less than two months away. How did they do not have a location yet I'm, for that I'm fight? I'm assuming uh, they're prob- they're probably my, uh, probably going to be somewhere in California or Texas. Okay, all right. I'm I'm, um, I'm, I'm guessing. If War if Warrington loses to Martinez, he should retire the 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 minute they announce the decision or they stop the fight because you can't tell me that he has lost so much since dominating Martinez a few years back. I mean, this is. Like you said, this is this might be the most intriguing fight of this entire uh, schedule, not named Chocolatito versus Estrada 3. I mean, wow, talk about a role, a, a role reversal. It's just crazy. It's just crazy where these two guys were 13 months ago, a year ago, as compared to today. I mean, you just said it. Uh, <laughs> it's just shocking. Uh, Warrington's career is on the line. He's got to win. This is a a must win. Not a he has to win. He cannot afford to lose, and he must look impressive 
if he wants to continue on his career path. And I want to see him fight Lara a third time, too. I mean, l- let's get that done as well. Uh, a very intriguing schedule for Matchroom slash Golden Boy. So I'm looking forward. And Jacob's Ryder, that's a must win for either fighter. I mean, the loser just becomes a gatekeeper. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, here's the one thing that I, if I'm being honest, you mentioned, you know, that you were very intrigued by the Martinez-Warrington fight. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I If you read over on, on my article on Fight Game Media, I gave grades to each of these. I gave this one a C plus. The reason, I, I do agree in the sense that there is an intrigue as to, you know, how, yeah. what Warrington are we going to look at? But, like... After what happened over the past year, one, I wish that Martinez and Galahad had a rematch. I wish that this would have been the first title defense for Kiko Martinez. Secondly, why is Warrington getting this title shot? Well, let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. Do you th- is Galahad physically able to fight so soon after such an explosive knockout loss? That's probably why. I think it may also have to do more with the fact that I... It, <laughs> It may be that Galahad is struggling to make weight. I mean, you remember he he did not make yeah. weight the first time he stepped onto also, the scales. Also, he took a ferocious knockout loss. Yeah, it's you. You don't want to turn right around and fight the same guy that almost he was hospitalized that night. He he, he wasn't ready for a rematch. Right, and, and Galahad, I get that. I get and, that. And Martinez at such a, a late stage in his career, he's trying to make as much money as possible. If he can't get a immediate rematch with Galahad, considering the beating he gave Galahad, Warrington is his best option at getting his biggest payday, period, right? Yeah, in that sense, I agree with you. But we just spent a year where Warrington had essentially a two-fight rivalry against (laughs) Mauricio Lara, and Warrington lost the rivalry. Yep. Mauricio Lara— He doesn't doesn't deserve this title shot. He does not. I understand. I, I understand why Martinez is doing it, and um, Warrington's career is on the line. I read your article, and you made great points, and I can't argue with any of them. Martinez, Ma- Ma- Martinez's days are numbered, and so he's trying to make the most money. Mm-hmm. If he beats Warrington, Warrington should retire. I, and, and, and Warrington should immediately fight Laura as soon as if and when he beats uh, Martinez. I mean, if Warrington loses this one... It's over. It, it's over. I, I mean, we have to... We, do we have to look at this from a historical perspective? I mean, how does someone just fall from grace so badly? And I'm not even talking about this all started with Mauricio Lara. This all started when Warrington and now Hansen being 2020 stupidly vacated the title in order to try and secure a fight against Gary Russell Jr. or Su Chan, and neither of those materialized, and then he took a fight with Mauricio Lara as a stay-busy fight, and then Lara just completely dominated him. But I mean... Obliterated him. (laughs) This is a guy who had a title run of beating Lee Selby, beating Carl Frampton, beating Kid Galahad, uh, be it, you know, controversial scorecards aside, he still got the win, and then just stopping Sofian Takut... With a hellacious second-round stoppage to just all of a sudden being a non-player that all started with with something that happened on his own volition. I I can't remember the last time something like this has happened. Well, he better turn it around, and he better beat Martinez, and then, I agree with you, there's only one option after that fight, and that's Mauricio Lara, third fight. Lara deserves that third fight. Uh, uh, is the 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 writer, uh, the writer, uh, J- Jacobs fight? That's in London. Yes, that is the, okay. that is in London. It's a, you know, I, I will say I like it. I like this fight. I don't love it mainly because but you know he, what? It, the, the 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 fight makes sense. They're both right natural fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're both contenders at at. Is this fight going to be held at 168 or 175? I'm led to believe this is a 168 fight. Okay. All right. Because I thought Jacobs was going to campaign at 175. That's why I was confused as to why, with, where, what weight class this fight's uh, occurring at. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to make sure that we that I have this right. 
Uh, but you know, we can operate under the assumption that this is okay. Probably right. going to be a uh, a super middleweight fight. I don't think they ever specifically mention this fight. Uh, what exactly? What weight? They I'm looking at press releases. They say they just call Jacobs a two time middleweight champion and John Ryder a super middleweight contender. Tender. Right. So I'm, okay. so I'm assuming right. that this is going to one sixty eight. This is going right. to be a okay. one sixty eight fight. But it's a good fight. I, I mean, it's a good fight. It's just, you know, it's a – neither guy is particularly coming into this with a ton of momentum. Jacobs, his last fight was the absolute stinker oh, against Gabriel Rosado. And you know, it's funny, right? Gabe Rosado has been one of the most action-packed fighters in the last decade. And that one fight is nothing compared to what he normally brings to the table. Not at all. No, and the worst part of it is this was a genuine blood feud that, you know, that it wasn't fabricated. These guys really wanted, or at least, yep. you know, before the fight, they really wanted to hurt each other. And then all of a sudden, we just get nothing. We just get bleh. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. And Jacob's. He's coming off of another stinker, by the way, against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., the fight where Chavez oh, quit after God. the fifth round. That fight was horrible. Those were, by oh the way, my God. those were his two fights after the Canelo Alvarez loss. Yeah. that's yeah. Like, uh, You want to talk also, about coming into the fight with negative momentum on a win streak? That's about That's pretty much it. And, and I believe Jacobs has passed his prime. So his shelf life is very, very short. So uh, this is a make or break year for him. Do whatever he can. But in my opinion, the first elite fighter he faces in 168 or 175, it's a wrap for one of the nicest and guys ever in the history of New York City boxing. And one of the great stories. Yeah. I mean, how he overcame paralysis and became a world champion again. But, you know, it's it's. It's the end of the line coming soon for Danny. Yeah. And, and for John Ryder, I mean, boy, you want to talk about how much one scorecard or two or three, you know, a pair of scorecards can drastically change a fighter's life. I still believe John Ryder won that fight against Callum Smith a uh, few he, years he ago. He dominated Callum Smith. And that was a hot, was worst, one of the worst decisions of the last decade. And, and then all of a sudden, he's only fought twice since then against yep. Mike Guy at the Gennady Golovkin Camille Sarameda undercard, where there was literally no one. And then back in September in Austria against an eight and two guy. I mean, this is just—I mean, I feel bad for John because he's been trying to get big fights and he just hasn't gotten. Uh, as many fights as he uh well as he, he, he needs to beat he needs to beat Jacobs so he can secure another title shot somewhere down the line and regain that momentum that was taken away from him when he got robbed against Callum Smith. I think the winner of this fight, you know, I I think they should fight Laroni Richards who beat Carlos Gongra a few weeks ago. I think that would that... be a great fight. I I love that matchup, and it could easily be made, right? All of these guys are the zone fighters. Yep, all of them are matchroom guys. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. There so, you go. Yeah, you. I, I would not. And listen, and I I don't care if it's got that, that you know that extra IBO title on the line. I I think it's a I good know. fight. It just 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 match them up. And Richards impressed me against Gungora. That was a very good uh, performance and excellent victory over a very tough. A game, Carlos Gungora. I also love the Lee Wood Michael Conlon fight. I genuinely do. I think this that's is a, a good, really that, good that, fight. That, that's a real good fight. Uh, I was hoping that fight would be held at the Garden. Yeah, uh, that's okay. It's being held overseas. I, it's being made. That's all that matters. They get to fight each other. Yeah, we. I. I think. I think it was both you and I who had yeah. been hoping yeah. that the fights. That that fight would be part of a doubleheader, including Amanda right. Serrano and Katie Taylor at the Garden for St. Patrick's Day week. And, I mean, one out of three ain't bad. This is technically being done within a week of St. Patrick's and Day. It, it, it's, still, it's still that week. It's not the same being in New York. But, hey, it's being made. And a question, any headway for Taylor Serrano? Uh, 
be honest to be honest not that uh Damn. not that i have seen it's possible it, you know it's possible that they it's maybe being worked on more behind the scenes but i don't know this feels like a bit of a slow burn it's i mean there's okay. almost no chance that the uh that's probably going to take place uh on st patrick's day weekend almost no chance so we got to hope for let's, let's, closer to the spring let's and summer hope for, how about the Puerto Rican Day Festival? Sad that Saturday at the Garden. I mean, you can't have it. You can't have it. You're not going to have it St. Patrick's Day. Let's have it in the Garden in, in June. It's possible. I forget. Uh, what day is the? Uh... It's usually it's the middle of June. It's the week. It's the Saturday. It's the weekend before Father's Day weekend. Okay, I, because you have the Puerto Rican Day Parade that Sunday and the Saturday night for years with Trinidad and Cotto. For many years, you had a traditional Saturday night MSG show right before the Sunday Puerto Rican Day Parade. Boy, you know it's funny. I lived in the in, in New Jersey with in a train ride to Madison Square Garden for the better part of six years, and not once had I had a chance to actually go to one of the Puerto Rican Day parades. That's been one of my big regrets. You're you 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 you're not missing anything. Man. You're <laughs> not missing anything. I mean, well, they haven't had one since the pandemic started, but it got it has gotten out of hand. Uh, too many arrests. You have a lot of gropers. It it it's it it got real ignorant and ghetto. You haven't missed anything, Carlos. Uh, you it, haven't missed that's anything. a damn. It's a damn shame. It's it, a damn shame. Because at one time it was the pride of all parades in New York City, and it the the last few years before the pandemic, it had gotten completely out of hand. Yeah, that's it is a damn shame. And here here in Ohio, I mean, the closest thing I got to uh, a Puerto Rican town in Ohio is Lorraine, and that's about an hour from where I live, and. It's becoming increasingly more difficult, especially now with the snow and the pandemic to the point where I'm now have to, I essentially have to teach myself how to bake and make all these Puerto Rican foods by hand <laughs> just so that I could, just, just so that I can at least have a little bit of a taste of home. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's, you, you don't have a Latin community in Cleveland? In Mayfield Heights, absolutely not. Absolutely, I'm, the, I'm talking about the, the Cleveland itself, the city uh, Cleveland itself. Not, not really. The Puerto Rican community okay. is really more centered around Lorraine. Okay, all right. Okay. Which I mean, there's some great places if you're Puerto Rican in Lorraine, and I know there's actually one in in Cleveland. There's a restaurant in Cleveland that I, I'm, I'm. I'm Blanking on the name right now that also had some great Puerto Rican cuisine. Okay, so. good, good. As long as you got a spot where you could find a way to get to when there's no snow on the ground. <laughs> the rest of the card, I think, I, I as we mentioned, they both look good. Uh, personally, I think that Sorumbasai versus Carlos Quadras 2 is going to be another really good fight. Uh, these two, these two can't have a bad fight against each other. It's no. it's impossible. It's impossible, and both their careers are on the line. This I'm gonna predict will be the best of all three fights of of their trilogy. This will be the best fight. This is gonna be a violent. Well, they, no, they've only had fight. they've only fought once before. Oh, I'm talking about Chocolatito versus. Oh, I'm Drive. sorry, I'm I, sorry. I, I you're, right, go, you're right. You're right. I I I I got it mixed up with you were talking about Quadras versus. Of the four fighters, none of these guys could have a bad fight against each no. other. It's impossible. No. <laughs> and I'm curious to see how Sorumvisai fights against, you know, a guy near the top of the super flyweight division because he hasn't fought that level of opposition since the loss to Juan Francisco Just Estrada in the Strada, rematch from a couple right. of years ago. He's been fighting in Thailand uh, throughout the entire – throughout that entire time span since that loss. And, I mean, look, he looked great. He looks great every single time he steps into the ring, even if it's against overmatched competition. But, but I'm curious to see how this uh, how the second fight goes. I think that it'll be a great fight, and I think Sorumasai yep. will win. But yeah, the winner of these two fights, there. I mean, the expectation is going to be through the roof for whoever walks out. Uh, 
you know, out of those two fights as the winner, because that final fight, which could potentially be like the end chapter of this, and I guess I would maybe the closest thing to a Four Kings that we've had since the actual original Four Kings. It's, it's yeah, well, you, you, considering all the major fights these four fighters have had against each other, mm-hmm. and the and the winner and the winner of it, the winner of it all should just walk into the sunset because imagine the amount of punishment the winner has had to sustain in winning this many this I don't know how many years now five six seven well Estrada well the first one was almost a decade ago yeah yeah almost a decade yeah it's absolutely insane it's incredible seeing how many great fights just between these four fighters we have seen over the years it's been phenomenal it truly is and it's something the that... only blowout. The only blowout was uh, Chocolatito's loss to Sarugwasai in the rematch. Other than that, all the other fights have been. I mean, four stars are better. I would argue four and a half stars are better. In fact, I would argue. <laughs> yes. I would argue Five this. Stars. I would argue this. The if we're going by wrestling star ratings, the uh-huh. the second fight between Estrada and Chocolatito was five stars. The 100. first Sorum Visai versus Estrada fight, five stars. Yes. The Quadras Estrada rematch, five stars. Five stars. And I would argue, like, maybe most of the rest were at least four and a half. The first Sorum Visai Chocolatito fight, I gave four and a half stars. That was a great fight. Yeah. Uh, the rematch. You 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 might two or three stars. It was a one sided beat. Yeah, I I, almost, I probably would go maybe and, two and a half stars on that one. If I'm being honest, it was it, it was a five star knockout. Yeah, but it was not a five star fight. No, not not at all. <laughs> which is, it which capped off maybe the closest thing to a five star event uh, that year because it was the I think that was the headline the first Superfly card that HBO on HBO yeah. right uh, yeah. yes God I miss yep. I miss those cards. Man, I miss HBO. Period. Please. It's, it's, uh, anyway, continue. Let me get off my soapbox. Continue. <laughs> yeah. So that's your schedule right there. Uh, you know, again, there's a lot of intrigue in a lot of these fights. You know, some more than others, but but oh, but this promises to be a pretty good second uh, first quarter of Matchroom and Hell. That's not even counting the fact that you know we still have plenty of. Uh, Matchroom superstars who don't have fights announced. It's we still have the Alexander Usyk Anthony Joshua rematch. We still have Katie Taylor possibly against Amanda Serrano. There is still a lot yep. of potential good fights Matchroom can make for either the spring or the summer that are somewhat close to happening, or at least in the works. And and no no uh. No headway as far as the postponement and the, a makeup date for Triple G versus Murata? They've been I've heard that the that they might want to try to aim for April or May. Okay. But at this point, I I don't know. I, you know, I can't when it comes to this fight, and you know, you can say the same for a lot of these fights, and especially for a fight, a big fight in Japan. That requires Golovkin to have to travel to Japan. I can't right. say that there is that there's a hundred percent chance this fight is ever happening. I just can't. Okay. I can't. All right. Um, which is a it's a damn shame. It's an absolute damn shame. But it also is weird that you know, aside from Gary Russell Jr. who's fighting next weekend, Murata, I believe, is the only world champion. Who has not fought since the pandemic? He hasn't fought. Wow. He has not fought since the pandemic begun. And boy, I mean, I don't. It it, it feels a little scummy to start to suggest this, but you got to think about if you're the WBA and you're um and you're trying to sort of fix all of the uh, fix this one title per division deal. I mean, you got to think about 
maybe putting Murata as champion in recent, just elevating Aerithel on the Lara. I, you know, as much as I don't think Lara kind of deserves that, but at least Lara's been active, and at least he yep. seems to be making a choice that he's fighting at 160. Yep. Murata hasn't fought in more than two years. His last fight was December 2019. And he was 33. He's 30, he'll be 36 next time he steps in the ring. He's 36 today. He turns 36 today. On oh, my. All right. So ha- happy 36th birthday, uh, Mr. Murata. Happy 30. Boy, this is this is maybe the worst way for me to say happy birthday to Ryota Murata. <laughs> and I like Murata. I've, said, I, I've been a big Murata fan for a very, very long time, but... You also got to keep it consistent, WBA. If you're, you know, punishing Manny Pacquiao for not being active, then you also got to punish Murata for not yeah. being active. You got to be consistent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even now, yeah, Inoue has fought multiple times. Uh, since yep. Sure, the competition has been absolutely a, dreadful, but it's something. It's yep. something. He's fought. When did the pandemic begin? It began in 2020, right? March of 2020. We almost he's we fought almost three two times. Yep. he's fought three times since then. Murata hasn't fought once. Yeah, this you know you got to be consistent. WBA, you got to think about stripping. Uh, if you can't if you can't get any real guarantee that that fight is getting made, then uh, you got to strip Murata. You got to you got to be consistent if you really want to do this one title per division. You have to do it. Uh, or else, you know, it's all we keep hearing are hollow words from the WBA. And I still don't fully believe that they're going to stick to this one title per division plan. I still don't believe it. Well, we'll we see it as believe it. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. So we do have a a couple of things left to discuss before we move on to previewing this weekend in, in boxing and... Robert, you had a couple of questions, if I'm not mistaken. But the most important question, I'm hearing the, the, the rumors surrounding social media, uh, surrounding a potential Canelo-Charlo fight. What have you heard, and percentage-wise, do you think that's Canelo's next fight? So, I'm, so first of all, so there has um, Edith Reynoso, who is Canelo's trainer and manager, he said that uh, on Twitter, and let me see if I can pull up the tw- the exact tweet just to be just so that I don't misinterpret what Reynoso said. Right. He said, uh, well, in Spanish, I'm translating from Spanish to English. In respect to Canelo's next fight, there is no negotiation with any promoter, any opponent, any date. And next week, we'll have something more con- concrete. So... I don't know. I part of me. The the more I'm thinking about this, the more it's probably it's the less likely I'm thinking it's Alonga Makabu or Tabiso Imchunu uh, after their uh, cruiserweight title fight in uh, later this month. Which, by the way, uh, I'm actually surprised that this is actually happening. I'm a little bit surprised, but you know, I'm gonna I'm, I might actually make my way to war in Ohio. Hey. How how far how far from Warren are you? How far? Uh, I think like an hour. Hey, go ahead, go see I think, it. I think maybe less. I think yeah. le- ah no, yeah. just about. Uh, I'm I'm going by Apple Maps right now. It says because I'm telling you, an hour. That's going to be a great fight. These guys are. These guys were. These guys. Their first fight was one of the greatest cruiserweight fights of all time. It's going to be a great fight. You will get your bag for your buck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I, no doubt about that. I'm hoping I can actually cover the fight. Then uh, I, I have no idea. So it's gonna be. So yeah, Lunga Makabu, Tabiso and Chuno, January 29 in Warren, Ohio. Trevor Bryan on the card. Then you got Johnny Langston versus Nick Kisner, and then Michael Moore, not the filmmaker, or Michael Moore, the former heavyweight champion. <laughs> former heavyweight champion. Imagine Michael Moore. I, do you have any idea how many people on Twitter kept asking me, is this really the the former heavyweight champion fight? Like, no. First of all, there's a second R in Michael Moore's name. This is not Michael Moore. That. 
Michael Mora is older than me. I'm 53 years old. If anybody licenses Michael Mora to fight again, then uh, that promoter should never promote again, ever. To be fair, no. this is the same. This is the same state that did approve Jake Paul and Tyron Woodley. Is the same state that approved Ernie Shavers in his 50s many, many years ago to fight uh, <laughs> Ohio. So I mean, enough, I put nothing past Ohio. It's the same state that gave a convicted two-time murderer. Don King is first promoter's license. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and so, it's the same. And it's the same state that pardoned him for those murders. <laughs> so right now, yeah. So that's the uh, the card in Warren, Ohio, right now. There's a. Uh, I know we had we had done sort of whole thing with the Matchroom uh, Golden Boy schedule, but uh, before I forget. I do want to point out that Jaime Munguia and Demetrius Ballard uh, also announced uh, on the zone, but obviously the Golden Boy card. We were discussing matchroom shows, right? But right. Jaime Munguia versus Demetrius Ballard in Mexico in Tijuana, Mexico, on February nineteen. Gotta be honest, I you know, I, it's an okay fight, but why are we still sticking Munguia with this level of opposition? Why? Cause, cause, uh, for some reason he can't get a fight with another major world champion at, at 160 pounds. I don't understand it. You couldn't make Mungia versus Andrade. Andrade. You couldn't make Mungia versus Triple G. Or Derevianchenko oh. when the, when he was yeah, ordered to I fight. Don't, I don't. Uh, I don't understand. At 154, he was fighting contenders. He was fighting good fighters. 160, he's fought nothing but the it, same mid-level opposition. Yeah, it it's astonishing. Like, and I get it. I get you know. I get some people who think you know. Obviously, he's not as polished as some of these other fighters. But like, you're treating this guy as a as a prospect when he held yeah. a world title and fought a number of names. And then he, he fought also fought a couple of good fight. names at 160. He fought a bunch of good fighters at 154. They've treated him at 160 with kid gloves, and it's going to affect him when he finally does fight an elite middleweight. In my opinion. The first time he steps in against an elite middleweight, he's getting dropped and put out. Yeah, it's absolutely. It makes no sense. It infuriates me to no end how this uh, how Mungia is not thrown into the fire more. It makes no sense to me. Also, uh, also announced recently, uh, Jose Ramirez versus uh, Jose Pedraza postponed. Now taking place on March four in Fresno. Because Pedraza uh, tested positive for COVID, so that could that could potentially be a factor, especially when they're rescheduling the fight. Technically, not even a month after the original date. My guess is that Pedraza it, did not feel any symptoms whatsoever, and right, right. and you know they figured, all right, we just give him a couple of weeks rest; he'll be good to go. Still a good fight, still a good fight. But now I'm a little more wary of Pedraza yep. after testing positive for COVID, which is. It's never a good thing for a fighter to be fighting a really good opponent in Jose Ramirez right. in your first fight after testing COVID. It's very, very uh, difficult. Uh, other top rec news, Charlie Sheehy, who, if you haven't seen Charlie Sheehy in his pro debut last year, I mean, this is a good, good prospect. He signed with top rank. He's going to be fighting on that Ramirez Pedrosa undercard on March 4. I like this card. I really, really do. And I really like this is fighter. It, is it on ESPN or ESPN Plus? Uh, on the Plus. Okay, that's what I figured. I think this, I mean, Charlie Sheehy is a prospect worth watching out for. He's got a already a very good pros-ready style. He's a guy who is not afraid to slug it out when he needs to. He's very, very good at mixing up his punches. He could be a good... He's going to be someone that could be a uh, a nice little prospect for top rank to develop. So I'm going to be very curious to see where that goes. Uh, Roger Gutierrez, Chris Colbert is going to headline a... Reportedly headline a Showtime card on February 26th. I love this fight. I don't know about you, Robert, but I personally love Roger Gutierrez versus Chris Look. Colbert. Gutierrez gives 110% every time he steps up. He's He gives everybody hell. If Colbert shines and dominates Gutierrez, 
I, we already said the sky's the limit for Colbert. Man, this is the perfect opponent for him to A, shine, and B, show exactly where he is in the landscape of 130, 135 pounds. Yeah, this is a really damn good fight. And, you know, good on Roger on getting a, a, a bit, relatively big fight. This is a big fight for both of these guys. So uh, I'm excited for it. And unless you have any other questions... Uh, that we need to Let, we go we go straight to Joe Smith now yeah the Joe Smith card this weekend yeah Joe Smith who may be one of the unluckiest guys in boxing right now he was supposed to defend his WBO light heavyweight title against Callum Johnson which was going to be a really good fight it was going to be a lot of heavy hands being thrown in that fight uh this Saturday it, the fight had to be changed Johnson tested positive for COVID. And so now comes Steve Gefford, uh, Geffrard. I, I don't know if uh, how to pronounce the name, so I do apologize. But he's coming in to face Joe Smith Jr. on essentially a week's notice. Uh, it's not like he was getting, he was not ready. He was already prepping for another fight in Florida. Uh, that was going to take place, I think, in a couple of weeks. So he was already ready. He was already uh, on, on weight. But this is a very, very big test for for uh, Steve Gefford and and against Joe Smith Jr., who is a about as tough as they come at 175, and he had a you know a very, very tough title win against Maxine Vlasov. I would argue much tougher than a lot of people anticipated, but this was a fight that. You know, Joe Smith Jr. looked uh, had to essentially win at the very end in order to capture that WBO title. I, you know, from what I read and from what people have been saying on social media, this is you know, Steve is not someone that Joe should overlook. You know, th- I, I'm I'm excited. I'm curious. I'm curious to see Steve in the ring. This will be my first time, you know, watching him in a live fight. This is gonna be. Uh, I will say, uh, I'm intrigued. That's all. That's all I gotta say about it. I mean, it's the best opponent they could come up with due to the the COVID failure by a Callum Johnson. So I mean, supported that it's not Callum Johnson, but I'm every Joe Smith is never in a bad fight. Uh, so we we will we will see. And um, quick question. Yeah. Vlasov, I believe, deserves a rematch. Is there any chance of that happening after this fight? Uh, if I'm being honest, I, I don't think Top Rank wants to put <laughs> Vlasov in against uh, uh, against Joe Smith Jr. again. Not when they can still dangle that potential fight against Arthur Better BF in front of Joe Smith Jr. I mean, look, Vlasov looked pretty darn good uh last month against felix Ferreira. like he dominated he looks good he looks good every time i see him vlasov's only only liability is his lack of punching power he throws a million shots he's always in a fight he's very entertaining he just doesn't have devastating punching power and and his doesn't have the greatest motor at the very end of big fights yeah he, he does get tied at the end of a fight yes he does uh he deserves another title shot. Uh, what? Where are? Where are we at in terms of the 175 pound landscape? Who's Bavol fighting next? Who's better BF fighting next? Still, we still don't know. I I still think it'd be a travesty if Bavol and Gilberto Ramirez do not fight each other. Exactly. It, it's. You know, still no actual progress, but hopefully it'll happen. But I'm not entirely, uh, I'm not entirely sure to be honest. Because uh, you've got you've got too many right, two ready-made fights that you can make after this weekend. Let's assume Smith wins, mm-hmm. right? Smith versus Better BF, they're both top-ranked fighters, mm-hmm. and Bavall versus Ramirez, which he's the mandatory for Bavall. They're both uh, uh, that fight could be made. And you have that a nice little tournament right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, I think they should have done this sooner. But 
but I don't know when this, but I don't know if they're planning on doing that immediately. I predict that Smith, if he wins, he will say he wants to fight better BF next. And we still, and we won't really hear much about that for a little while. That's my prediction. <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. I, I, I think Joe Smith, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say Joe Smith Jr. wins. I don't know. I have not seen Steve enough to make a right. assertion that Steve will score this major upset. Uh, who knows? I'm still intrigued by this fight. I'm still going to watch it. The undercard, the co-main event, I should say, Abraham Nova versus William Encarnacion, which is also another fight that had a uh, that had a cancellate uh, a bit of a change because Nova was supposed to fight Jose Enrique Vivas, but Vivas suffered an injury, so in comes in Encarnacion, who is nineteen and one, uh, hasn't fought since you know actually it hasn't fought since December of twenty twenty, and. Has been very, very inactive uh, in, in the last couple of years. Has only fought three times since 2019. So this will be uh, this will be quite of a wake up call for Encarnacion going against Abraham Nova, who I think is still extremely talented. But yes, uh, he need, But the uh, it, it does kind of feel like he's been moved along a little slower than I think his skill level. Uh, shows because I think he is a lot better than uh, you know. I'll, I think he's a guy who should be by this point close to being a contender, if not already. He's a fringe contender at the moment, and yeah. and I don't think Top Rank's any super big hurry to push him into fighting for a world title like this. You know, in this first third of the of the year, but I think Nova should be a guy who should be. A lot closer to the title than what he is at this moment. Well, we will see Saturday night exactly where he is in terms of his progress. Yeah, yeah. You got a lot of other uh, prospects on the card. Omar Rosario, Troy Easley, uh, Jai Tucker, all on the undercard. It's going to be Saturday on ESPN Plus from Verona, New York, which is top ranked. It, It... they're kind of home in January. They do a lot of these Verona, New York shows in January. Um, actually, quick correction. Yes, this is going to be on ESPN TV, the main card on ESPN TV and ESPN Plus. Undercard's going to be on the Plus only. On the right, right, right. So, and I also want to point out a very minor correction to our Matrim the Zone uh, uh, conversation because. Guess what was just announced minutes after we just finished talking about it? Jesse Vargas has tested positive for COVID. Oh God! Uh, well, the fight against so, is Liam, so has it been called off, or does Liam have a replacement? Anything yet? I uh, I don't know. So Eddie Hearn has said, despite being well, Jesse Vargas has tested positive for COVID, and there will be a small delay to his February fifth fight with Liam Smith. There will be further announcement of the new date okay. in due course. All right, so I don't know what do I thing. don't know what that means for the actual card. They keep saying right. fight, but that could easily be interchanged with the actual event. So I got you. Yeah. So I wish Jesse, uh, you know, a speedy recovery. Uh, looks like he's not dealing with any um, with any. Uh, heavy symptoms, which is always a, a good thing, but man, seriously, like, for so soon, like, less than two weeks after announcing his fight, and then, boom! The fight gets cancelled? It's, Damn. man, it's a, uh, it's quite a a, a a damn shame. I don't know what this means for Sarissa gets over Visai versus Carlos Quadras too. I don't know what this means. And they could just make that fight the main event. I think I think they should. Him. I think yeah. they should, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and and I mean, and plus both of these guys are already hard at work trying to make weight. If you postpone that fight as well, that's gonna that's probably gonna wreak havoc on both of yes. these guys' body because these guys are. Fighting for a WBC title, which means they have to undergo 30-day 
uh, yep. weight checks to make sure that they're not uh, cutting too much weight at the very last second. So I I don't know, but we'll see what happens next. Uh, you know, again, wishing Jesse a full recovery. I don't know what's the, what that's going to mean for the rest of the uh, card. So one thing I before uh, that I forgot to sort of talk about, but I think it's very interesting, is the entire situation uh, regarding uh, the IBF heavyweight title situation. Because so a couple of so on January first we had Luis Ortiz and Charles Martin fight in an IBF heavyweight. Title eliminator, not a final eliminator, but it was a title eliminator, and so Ortiz was supposed to was ordered to fight uh, Philip Hergovich, who is the number one guy, uh, not number one, but also in a position to fight in a title eliminator, and the fight would have been a final eliminator between Hergovich and Ortiz. Ortiz declined the fight because apparently. Ortiz has a hand injury. So now the next thing, the next thing that the next guy up would be uh I think it was Joseph Parker. And Parker said no. So okay. So uh, all right, so do you now move on to uh the next guy? So now right now it look Tony Yoka a French uh, Olympic medalist who is promoted by top rank. He is now currently the next guy up to fight Philip Hergovich in an IBF, I assume, final eliminator, which is very, very bizarre. But even more bizarrely is the fact that I believe that Yoka does have a fight. He currently has a fight uh, planned in, in the coming months. So I don't know if Philip Her- if Tony Yoka is actually going to take that fight. So now you got to get into the next set uh the next fighter that uh <laughs> the next fighters for uh down the rankings and I believe I could be wrong. I believe that is former cruiserweight champion uh Murat Gassiev. I think it's Murat Gassiev or Agi Kabayel. Either of those two. They would be next in line to fight Philip Hergovich in a world title eliminator. The winner gets uh, becomes mandatory for the IBF weight title that's currently being held by Alexander Usyk, but will probably but Usyk's going to be fighting Anthony Joshua next, so. Right. This is such a bizarre situation. Uh, we could be in a scenario where Murad Gassiev could, in theory, fight uh, Philip Hergovich. And assuming, and let's say for the sake of F a hypothetical, that Gassiev wins, having fought only two times that heavyweight after the loss to Alexander Usyk, after dealing with a ton of injuries, now could potentially, in theory, be the mandatory challenger to Alexander Usyk, depending if Usyk beats Joshua a second time. That's such a strange and bizarre uh, set of circumstances that would unite these two for a rematch. And their first fight <laughs> was for the undisputed cruiserweight title, and what was effectively a shutout because Usyk dominated Gostiev. Yeah, yeah, he w- he won every second of every round of that fight. It was a it was a brilliant, brilliant performance. One of the greatest performances I've ever seen a cruiserweight in the history of the cruiserweight division. That was right up there with Evander Holyfield's destruction of Dwight Muhammad Quarry, their rematch, and Carlos De Leon. That's how great uh, Usyk looked like looked that night. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> yeah, man. Boy, huh? Boy, boxing sure sure is strange. By the way, Gassiev is only 28. That, that's I I didn't know that. I don't know that. Goss, that I, thought, I thought he was I thought he was much older than that. I mean, <laughs> I thought he was 
I thought he was as old, if not a slightly younger than Usyk. <laughs> and Usyk's 34. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, just wanted to throw that little wrinkle. Obviously, we're going to know more information uh, in the coming weeks regarding what happens. And again, the winner, you know, this is more of to make sure you have it in writing that you got a heavyweight title shot. There was yeah. no chance that the IBF mandatory is going to get called in 2022. Almost no chance of that happening. So, now, these, these guys will be lucky if they get a shot early 2023. Whoever turns out to be the mandatory for Usek or Joshua, whomever winds up being the IBF champion at the end of the year. All right, Robert, is there anything else left to discuss before we end things for this week? No, you answered all my questions. All right, Robert, where can the good people find you on social media and read your work? On Twitter, my uh, handle is RobertSilver5768. Uh, Fight Game Media, the parent company of this website, uh, the parent website company of this podcast, uh, my latest 45 greatest fighters in the last 45 years. I've got several articles coming out uh, on Canelo Alvarez, Joe Calzaghe, and recently I finished one on Oscar De La Hoya. So uh, check out those three articles coming up in the coming weeks. Alrighty then. And with that being said, he's Robert Silva. I'm Carlos Toro. You can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media. That'll do it for this episode of the Pound for Pound podcast here on the Fight Game Media Network. We'll see you all in the next one. Have a great one, everyone.